Well, welcome to the call, everybody. I'd like to extend a special welcome to those of you who are joining one of our calls for the first time. Uh, my name is Tom Miller. I'm a, the uh, founder and owner of Leaders Building Leaders, an organization uh, focused on being the difference maker in the leadership development of individuals and organizations. And so many of you uh, who might be on the call either live or, or listening uh, uh, on, on the archives, uh, you're you know, part of one of our personal and, and, and school growth programs. We've got our blueprint for success for school leaders and our navigate for board members, or maybe a member of the principal's consortium, which we have a, a meeting uh, tomorrow at the Expedition School in, in um, Hillsborough. It's gonna be really exciting. Uh, we got 20 principals coming, so it's gonna be great. And some of you are in all of them. And for that, I'm, I'm just truly blessed and honored to be a part uh, of your of your journey, your personal growth journey. You're as much, I learn more from you all than, than, than you probably realize that. So, so let's get, so let's get started with this call here. Okay, there we go. So I just, I just love, love this lesson and I had a blast putting it together and really just, just bathing in my work over the last couple of years and working to improve the, the practices and habits of school leadership teams and the boards that uh, govern them. And, you know, the thought of how we create what we want, not just in our school, but, but honestly in our lives. And, and I think that has to be the very first understanding for any type of goal setting process. And in the years I spent as a principal, as a, as a state consultant and now a business owner, you know, the only way that I moved forward was setting a goal and setting a path towards achieving that goal. So we only have an hour for this uh, session. Uh, so I'll be sharing with you at a very, very high level, not just how I set and achieve goals as a principal and a business owner, but, but how I've assisted over 30 public charter schools to do the same uh, through this goal setting and goal achieving process. It's the same uh, process that I utilize during one day board retreats or, or even through multiple week engagements, um, helping a school get uh, better results. That's my main goal. And like I mentioned, for, for some of you, this might be your first ever session with me, and, and you're going to get great value out of this session. I promise you that. And, and if you don't, well, I can't give you your time back, but any time you have the power to just stop listening and hang up, I guess. But I hope that's not the case. And for most of you really looking to grow not only you know, yourselves but your team, I'm going to be sharing an opportunity to join me uh, and my team over an extended period of time, really studying this goal-setting and goal achieving process in a platform that's going to be easy and convenient for you and extremely viable. So for those who are serious about creating change in not only your school, but your own personal lives, I'm, I'm excited for you and the opportunity that I have uh, to share. And either way, you stick with me this hour, you're going to get great value. James Allen said, what we think about, we become. And unfortunately, many organizations don't realize that their current level of thinking isn't getting them very good results, right? Bad results over and over again, to be honest. And it's not until students begin to leave or they start or they receive a notice from the, from the Office of Charter Schools that, that they realize that uh, we might not be very good. And over time, their scores decrease, their enrollment drops, their top teachers find other opportunities, and they're just hovering around in what I like to call destination disease, just slightly better than the surrounding schools. 
And each month I attend the charter school advisory board meetings and I hear these leaders struggle to explain how they got here, blaming their conditions and circumstances on external factors like lack of funding, of lack of parent support, or lack of quality teachers to choose from, or sometimes even natural disasters. If they could only open their eyes and, and see and realize that thousands of schools who receive the same level of funding, the same opportunity to hire staff, the same disengaged parents survive the same natural disasters, they, they're able to succeed annually. And I know this was advertised as a lesson on strategic planning, but honestly, it's, it's truly a lesson on goal setting and goal achieving. And I'm going to use that language throughout this call, but I really want to affirm the understanding that what we all call goal setting and goal achieving is really a natural process of creation and manifestation. This is a really important distinction to make because for, for many years in my life, I looked at myself as a failure when it came to being a goal achiever. I, I mean, I'd failed so many times in achieving goals. And when I say failed, what I really mean is I just simply quit trying, <laughs> right? And so what I'll be asking you today is to, to just change your perception of goal setting and achieving altogether and to begin to see it as a creative process, a, a process of manifesting things in, in, in your life, in your school, you know, and attracting those things. Goal setting and goal achieving are skills that they have to be learned and, and they require a learning model like all things do, just, just like learning to ride a bike. You see, when we learn to ride a bike, right, in that model, there was a lot of falling down. But you were born with the potential to ride the bike, but you had to learn that skill. And the difference is when you were learning to ride a bike, you hadn't really fully developed your your ego judgment center. And this is the part of your self-image that keeps track and record of every failure that you've made. So how do you currently, I'm you know, curious, how do you currently strategically set your goals? Do you, do you close your eyes and just leap across that, you know, gap and hope that you make it across? Do you shoulder the weight and the burden of the organization's success all by yourself operating in a silo? Or are you able to function as a team, gathering information from, from the bottom up and making those decisions fully as a team? I remember my first days on the job as a principal, I walked into each classroom and, and really noticed uh, something odd about our, about our classrooms, the way they were set up. Uh, uh, you know, one class in particular of 18 students, uh, 12 of them were EC students, and more than half of the kids were students of color. Our school was pretty white. <laughs> See, our school was homogeneously grouped, and, and really, our students just kind of follow each other around like sheep all day. So if there was an issue in first block, guess what? You had to sit next to the same kid for the next six hours and figure it out. And hardly ever, this was a, was a positive solution. So realizing that our circumstances are unlikely to change when we don't have models to learn from. I set a personal goal to, to at least blend our social studies and our science classes while keeping our homogeneously grouped reading and math. I still remember sitting in an empty room over our summer break and it was a year round school. So we only had five weeks with 200 or more index cards with every student's name and their EOG scores seeking to balance out those classrooms and 
I didn't know of any wonderful random organizer tool I could have used from Excel. And I spent days trying to figure this out all by myself. It wasn't perfect, but at the end, I eventually did have some blended classes, but still, what a, what a waste of time and energy. This, is, this was not a good strategy to achieve that goal, <clears throat> a goal that I was pretty sure the staff would have agreed was important. But because there was no strategy, no, no plan, no intentionality, I wasted hours of time when someone on the team probably could have figured it out in less than 30 minutes. And not only that, I never actually had a conversation with the social studies and the science teacher to see if this is what they really wanted. Again, not a very good strategy. So what is strategy? Well, <clears throat> when you try to get a clear uh, definition from the Google, uh, this is what you see. It's just a hodgepodge of different images and definitions. And so I was asked in the preparation of this training was, you know, about the term strategy, because it's thrown around a lot in, in education and in business. And so the question was, is this a specialized skill set often found in one person that is the strategy person, or does everyone have this skill set within them? And so I'm going to start by just, you know, defining what I believe a strategy is. A strategy is a high-level plan to achieve one or more goals under conditions of uncertainty. And some people are great at independent strategy and others excel at leading a team to results through strategic actions. And so I'm going to share the secret to my strategy throughout this uh, session. And I've always excelled at the individual, but not necessarily as a team strategist. You know, you know, I'm a visionary. I'm idealistic. I'm not afraid to fail, but <clears throat> that doesn't always lead to a good strategy when you're trying to leverage people and resources. But in order to change something, in order to achieve, we have to choose a strategy. And those who come in, you know, we have our goal achieving uh, mastermind club. <coughs> we go into much deeper into strategy, uh, strategy and the challenge is bringing a full team on board. So to answer the question, everybody has a strategy, just some people are better strategists uh, than others. And some people would rather, you know, this strategy is just to follow the strongest leader, which sometimes isn't a very bad strategy at all. But why should we do this? Why should we take the time to have any sort of strategic goal and, and uh, a plan? Well, first of all, it's, it's to establish a deeper understanding of the bigger uh, picture of a school's current state. And I'm going to be re re referring to this as the school's purpose. And all decisions should be driven through, through the purpose. Second reason is reaching consensus across the school community on which needs represent the highest priorities. And this creates common language throughout the school, right? And common language plus common goals equals clarity. And lastly, it, it, it sets goals, strategies, and systems for accountability that lead to overall school improvement. But to be honest, <clears throat> the number one reason here, and I'm going to steal this from Dave Ramsey, his uh, quote here, kids do what they want and adults follow a plan right, based on goals. And a goal without a plan is a wish. And, and I wish these uh, data were, were wrong, but <clears throat> over the past 10 years, over, over 60 charter schools have, have either closed or, 
were not opened uh, on time in North Carolina, or just never opened. I mean, <clears throat> and more than half of the charter school in operation currently have turned over the principal since 2014, and some of them multiple times. The average span of a, of a school leader in North Carolina, traditional or a charter, is 2.7 years. Combine that with the board members leaving every two to three years, that's a very unstable top of the organization. And if you don't have a set of goals at minimum, a basic plan to follow, you, you, you know, you're just coasting down a stream, staring at the scenery and not seeing the waterfall that's coming around the bend. Now, I see this quote often, <clears throat> failing to plan is playing to fail. And, and I do believe it, but you can certainly fail despite having a plan. Every plan, every even a great plan can fail. And almost my 10 years now uh, working in this role as a consultant, you know, I've observed these reasons why even the best plans fail. And it always comes down to one word, <clears throat> execution. And let me just share a secret. I mean, all plans work right? All, all diet plans work, all workout plans work. It's the execution of the written plan that creates the failure, right? The success or the failure. And some, some indicators of poor execution that I've seen are overall uh, belief in a leader, buy-in of the plan, lack of evidence tracking, uh, timely adjustments based upon the data, Maybe the plan's too rigid or, or too large. And I mean, I recall reading, well, you know, skimming a strategic plan that was 27 pages long. When I asked the board who was responsible for tracking all this, there was just crickets. And just, just think of the time and resources that it takes to build a 27-page plan. You, got, you know, capacity of your team is an issue. Skill sets of the key people in, the, in your role, communication. I'm sure there's many, many more, but hopefully you get the point. The key to goal achieving isn't necessarily planning. The key to goal achieving is to fall in love with the goals, not, not the plan. Right? Fall in love with the goal, not the plan. And we waste so much time, energy, and resources creating the plan that we end up falling in love with the plan afraid to make adjustments to the plan, ultimately leading to failure. I mean, are you with me? Have you ever worked in an organization that was so in love with the plan they would actually sacrifice the goal? I've, I've done that. I've done that. So my three key objectives for us uh, during this session are, are one, to learn a process to create an easy, followable, flexible, goal-focused roadmap for your school. Two, identify where gaps can exist in setting the goals and executing that plan. And, and lastly, introduce tools and drive the data collection behind the goal setting, goal writing, and goal achieving process. So time to learn, time to learn fast. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so the first thing that you're gonna want to do is, is to set the vision for the process, okay? And it, it, it doesn't need to be perfect. There's, there's no right or wrong answers. Well, there's possibly a wrong answer. Doing it all by yourself is wrong, but you may not have anyone on your team who honestly could assist. So, so still, 
you have to find some sort of outsource, you know, resource, outside resource or mentor, critical friend to help you. And these eight questions should, should really get you going. And I'll share these slides, you know, if you want to have them, email me and I'll, and I'll shoot them to you. <clears throat> but, but the first, you know, the first question, who could be on the team, right? Who could be on this team? And again, there's no wrong answers, but start with the easy ones. Start, start with the people that you have in front of you, you know, teachers, administrators, your board members, students, you know, and, and you might, with some diligence, you know, you might be able to get some additional feedback from this, you know, column on the right-hand side, business leaders, experts, uh, you know, former students, uh, maybe, you know, um, school counselors of the schools that, uh, that your kids uh, feed into. And, and, you know, some of these people who, who volunteer, right, to be on the team, you have to let them know, like, like look, just participate in one of the phases. I mean, there's seven phases of this uh, process. So come in for as many as you want, because you're going to need energy. You're, you're going to need different perceptions. I think the fear is of a lot of people that the strategic planning process is so long. I don't, I don't, I don't have the time. I'm, I'm too busy. So just let them know it's all right, that if they can't be part of it all, just be part of, part of it, right? Because really that's, that's really what they want is they want to know that it's in, that it's in good hands and it's, and it's moving in a good direction. And, and so what could your final product look like? Well, you want it to be easy to read, maybe it communicates a big picture, you know, easy to fit on one to two pages, easy to understand, it's uh, flexible, right? The plan's flexible, not the goals. And again, there's no right or wrong. And, and again, if you join us in any of our Deeper Dive uh, programs, you know, I got templates that we'll share with you and, and really help you think through what that, you know, what that would look like. So what could your timeline be? Again, be flexible. Be gentle on yourself and your team. If you've never done this, think big, but start small. You know, you could write a solid organizational growth plan in, in 30 to 90 days or Honestly, you could probably just Google one and be, be done in 15 minutes. But a giant part of this process is understanding who do I need to be in order to achieve these goals? Who do we as a team need to be, as an organization need to be? When, when you're in our goal-achieving mastermind groups, we address these personal growth challenges, these unforeseen barriers to our success, because that's really what the roadblocks are. To goal achieving. So, so make a pact with your team. Don't, don't let the process kill the overall progress. Okay. And once, and once you've got your team set and everyone has come close to an agreement of, of what the product will be and who's on it, you need to start to organize uh, the data, right? Start your data collection process and organizing. And, and the number one job for a leader is to define the reality that the organization sits in. And this, this, this is going to be maybe the second hardest step of all because it really takes looking into the mirror and not falling into the traps of being defensive and, and making excuses that many of us tend to do. So in this step, I really want your curiosity to rule. You're not seeking affirmation at all. You're seeking straight information. So here are some, some questions uh, to start with. And again, email me and I'll, I'll send you all these so you don't have to worry about writing them all down. And, and, uh, but, I, but I really love you know, this one particular question on this page about asking families why they choose us. 
right? Why did you choose us and why do you choose to stay? It's so powerful to have this information because many times as leaders and board members and, you know, many of you know, I'm a, I'm a board chair of a charter school and, you know, we really focus on the, on the negative side of the data and we, we want to know why people left and, and what could we have done? And, and we, we spend countless hours, you know, worrying about that instead of really worrying about, hey, why do people choose us? And why do they stay? And, you know, better yet, um, you know, when you're in our strategic planning program, you know, I've got a few hundred questions and key indicators of, of school success that we've, you know, spent time pulling together over the last, uh, you know, five years. And, and we'll work with you to really, really dive into the data. So you're going to get the best, you know, the best of nice saturation, because that's really what, that's really what you're looking for. I mean, there's so much data you can pull from internally and externally and and so you want that saturation where the data is basically telling you the same thing just from different sources so you know that you've done well in covering all aspects of your organization you know for example you know we've we've worked in so many schools uh, collecting and analyzing data that we just know i just know certain themes like for example if if, if your data on student enrollment is demonstrating an annual school year attrition rate of over 10%, I'm going to guess that your report card grade is a D or lower, and then your employee turnover rate is double that. Okay? It's just, it's just the trends that we find. We do it so often, right? But, but what we can do, what we can do, though, is we help you find those trends and, and teach you to make just the smallest tweak, right? The smallest tweak that can get the greatest results. Right? It's simple strategy to significantly impact your overall school success. I mean, that's really what this process is about, is really getting a view of the big picture, right? From a telescopic lens and a microscopic lens. Telescopic where we're going and microscopic where are we now. And, and, and so what, so when, you know, we assist the school leaders that, you know, we coach in our, in our goal achieving programs is, is to align these data points, right? The ones that we've identified as the key indicators of success to your monthly principal report. So each month, the most important data is in the forefront of all decision makers, right? Enrollment, student achievement, human resources, satisfaction, Maybe there's some external data. You got your last couple of years of audits, your last three years of the performance framework, your teacher's word condition survey. I mean, basically, you want your monthly principal report to be a, a, an updated report card every single month, giving to the board to show them the progress that you and the team are making. You may want to identify where your students actually come from. And this, this map was built for um, Cape for Center for Inquiry and, and just made through a simple Google Fusion table. And through a map like this, you know, I can start to find the pockets of communities to recruit families from, you know, based upon who's, who's living there already. And, and we may ask certain parents why they travel so far, driving past dozens of, of schools each and every day. Keeping an eye on the competition is, is critical to your future planning. You know, who's, who's moving in? What, what types of schools are they? Who's, 
who's already successful with this model and how can we learn from those higher performing schools? I mean, what are, what are they doing that we're not doing? That's, that's one of the main reasons that we created the consortium was to get charter schools off of their island and, you know, visiting other schools and seeing what is possible. These are all great annual review questions for a board to discuss as you continue to answer the question, what, what will the parents see five years from today? A question that the board should always be discussing. What grants and resources are out there to support us? What changes in the laws are occurring to you know, give us greater autonomy? So once you've got all this together, all this data needs to be compiled into a friendly, easy to use format, not, not filled with education ease, right? Uh, all, the, all the acronyms and stuff that us educators love, love to use. And, and once you organize the data, you should start to see some broad themes uh, you know, showing, especially if you're using any past historical data. And that's the thing, if you, if you get into this you know, data collection on an annual basis and start you know, collecting historical data, you're gonna see some incredible themes to make sure that you're focusing on the right, uh, the right aspects and the right tweaks, right? Uh, in the last strategic goal uh, setting process I led, I, we actually, as, as our phase one, we asked the staff, what questions would you like answered? And this uh, created a list of over 100 different questions for us to begin thinking through. And these subsets of questions allowed us to create themes and analyze the data at a deeper level. And then we were able to, to take that and create shorter surveys from our, our, for our, all of our key uh, stakeholders to, to even dive down deeper. So the next step, you know, once you've organized all the data together is to, is to scrutinize. It's, it's, it's time to answer and figure out what does all this data really mean? And the, the keys to success here are are to create subcommittees, right? Remember you asked all, all those people at the beginning, who wants to be on this team, right? Who wants to be there? And you've got a list of these people and then, then you start, you know, putting them in subcommittees uh, based upon their gift zones and their talents and, and what they find most important. Because when you put them in their gift zones, when, when you put them where, where that makes their heart sing, they're gonna, they're gonna dive deep. They're gonna ask really good questions. They're gonna investigate. So, so set expectations and give them responsibility and, and you know, deadlines, but be flexible. I mean, at this phase, uh, um, uh, K4 Center for Inquiry was, was hit by a massive hurricane when we were in this phase last year. So, you know, it's an organizational process that, you know, put us about 45 days behind, but, but you know, we always kept our eye on the prize, right? Because it's easy to let your busy and, and life get in the way, but this is, this is a critical, critical part of your overall success. And maybe the biggest key on the sheet could be just this uh, flagging unacceptable results. It's just um, so important that they know that they have the autonomy to, to you know, flag anything that looks, that looks a little squirrely. So, you know, scrutinizing can look in, in any way that a team chooses. And again, use your strengths to move you forward. It could be a series of small groups meetings. It could be a, a mini retreat, could be online meetings, or just you know, collaboration through some Google Docs. And the strategy here is to get people thinking, asking questions, and discussing the data. Because the data doesn't lie, nor does it determine your overall capacity, right? It's just your starting point. 
So some, some do's and don'ts of the uh, process, you, you know, you want to create themes and you may need to read like 500 to a thousand qualitative responses. So, you know, break up the work with your team, right? Have some consistency how, how you're going to code it and, and really, really focus on what the data is telling you and, and, and make sure you have a triangulation. If your data seems light or you're not really sure of the picture, you know, think through what other sources could I find? similar information that'll help me further understand. Now things not to do, don't, don't get attached to the results. It, your results do not define who you are, right? But they are an accurate portrayal of your current success and your thinking and your previous thinking and planning, right? So up until now, this was the way we thought and this is the way we planned. Don't create biases or excuses. You're not going to be able to change the way forward if you agree with your current circumstances and conditions. So there's so many tools that you and your team could, could uh, use here uh, to uh, be able to, to really scrutinize well. Um, and, and two that are example here up on the screen, the, the SWOT and the SOAR analysis. And, and um, we don't have too much time to go too deep on, you know, both. They're, they're pretty easy. They're pretty common. Um, but, you know, during our masterminds and our strategic planning group, this, this, this would be a process that we would take you through. And, and the biggest difference between the SWAT and the SOAR is that, you know, the SWAT tends to be focused on a negative where the SOAR tries to keep a real positive mindset uh, despite any organization uh, deficiencies. So the SWAT is your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats compared to your sores, your strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and uh, results. All right, so that's, that's one I highly recommend. You know, choose one. Choose one and, and uh, you know, with the data, you know, take your team through it. And there's, you know, like I said, we can teach you how to use them and, you know, show you examples. Or there's, there's probably tons of examples online as well. Uh, two other frameworks that I like. Uh, one is the five C's. And the other one is the six questions to clarity. And if I've led any retreat in the past for your team, uh, for your board, uh, uh, we've probably used the six questions uh, to clarity. I think it's the simplest and easiest tool um, and the process to analyze uh, uh, where you are and to really help any organization start to paint paint a picture for the future and, and you know using these six questions any team can sit down in a few short uh, sessions and and truly identify where an organization is is unhealthy i love this tool i recommend that all school leaders utilize uh, this framework and and we lead uh, book studies and mastermind groups uh, for teams on these uh, six questions i highly recommend so read read the advantage by uh, patrick Lynn. So you could, I would, I would use the six questions in combination with one of your, either your SOAR or your SWAT. Um, but there's one I'm going to pull out of the box here. I want you to pay a little bit of attention to this one if you've never seen it before. Uh, we've uh, used it over the last year or so. It's called a VRIN analysis. And I really like it because VRIN stands for valuable, rare, um, inimitable, and non-substitutive. And I just love it for charter schools because charters are, you know, built to be unique and innovative and offer something valuable that for the most part is not supposed to be replicated, right? Um, so, so, so the example I'll use to, to explain um, Vrin is uh, Netflix. So take this table here and, and, you know, most people, if not everybody, unless you're living on a box, 
knows what Netflix is and, uh, and uh, does, right? So, so if we take the four areas in which Netflix attempts to be different from regular television and cable and start to drop it into our RIN analysis, um, the first one is brand identity. So everybody knows and recognizes the white N on top of the red, unless you're a Nebraska fan, I guess that would be the only other way. Uh, but it's, you know, it's recognized, they own it, it's uh, protected, but it's one of many options to uh, consumers. So it's not necessarily a clear win across the board for a brand identity. Uh, the next one is discs by mail, right? The value is that it saves time, right? You don't have to go to the, uh, you know, the movie store when they used to have those and um, just comes right in your mailbox. And at the time, there was no major companies using it. You know, you can go to Redbox now, I guess, but it wasn't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, sustainable. And, and again, there's lots of substitutes for it. So that wasn't necessarily their best, greatest value add. Uh, streaming service, the value, you can watch content with no weight, right? You can watch it as much as you want. You can binge watch. But again, there's so many options, right? It's not rare. Uh, it, it can certainly be imitated. And there's lots of groups doing it, Amazon and Hulu and Crackle and Sling. And there's just, just a million of them now. But when it came down to original content, you know, Netflix was pretty much, you know, the king for a while. And they're still really hanging in strong because they had award-winning famous actors. They're only on Netflix. Uh, you can't imitate it because the copyright laws uh, prevent anybody else using that content. And there's no substitute for original content. So this is where, as you're seeing, and probably if you're a Netflix uh, subscriber like I am, their, their prices have gone up about 25 to 30% over the last uh, two years. Right. This is where their focus is going. It's all really original content uh, right now. So we did this for Cape Fear Center for Inquiry after we finished um, or as you know, part of their process. And, and so we took these four differentiators, brand identity, uh, their school of inquiry, uh, quality teachers and shared community leaderships were, were some of their major themes that came out and tried to look, you know, what, you know, where are they? Where are they on the spectrum here in terms of their um, their grin analysis? So through this information, right through this information, what what we basically identified is is that though Cape Fear, right, they're the only school of inquiry, uh, uh, public school of inquiry in uh, New Hanover County. Uh, obviously, someone else uh, could do it, but they've had really strong results, right? It wasn't really taking them over the top. But what they do have is they have this very unique leadership model uh, where they have uh, uh, teachers uh, make up uh, the, the majority of the leadership team and teachers make up the, the uh, majority of the board of directors. And they're non-voting members, but, but, but they're there. And, and so all decisions all organizational uh, decisions have been made by this, by this group of foundational teachers that have been there for from 10, 10 to 20 years, some of them, right? It's a very unique leadership struggle that they've been able to sustain. So any new employee coming in is directly learning from someone who was basically there when the school started, not just the principal, but dozens and dozens of teachers. And there's no substitute for this uh, sustainable leadership uh, that they have, you know, you know, there just isn't, and and there's massive intellectual property, and there's 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 incredible uh, collaboration occurring. So so the so this is where this was one of the most valuable pieces that uh, came out, and one of the you know decisions that came out of the strategic planning process is that this this model will never change, and this model will never change. Okay, 
you know, again, this work can't be done in a silo. It, it needs to be groups of key stakeholders carrying through these, these analyses, right? Different people with different perceptions because, you know, otherwise anything that moves, you know, as a result, any, any theme, it's, it's going to be considered tainted, right? Because remember my work towards trying to build a blended classroom. That wasn't a school initiative. That was a Tom Miller initiative. Right? It has to be done in groups. So as your team presents these results and themes, you know, what should occur is more questions, right? You know, more questions to close the gap, more curiosity to saturate the data, or, or, or for another group of stakeholders, another level of stakeholders to be heard. And so we started to use these, um, you know, themes, right, as, as the results of, of the analysis, you know, we started to put them all together. Um, we, we created other surveys, right? It was, it was our second level of, of the surveys. And now we had more specific surveys, you know, based upon like what the data was telling us, where, where we wanted uh, to go or what they specifically meant about um, what, you know, what, what was the value behind the shared leadership? What was it that made, you know, the uh, classroom teachers so, so uh, critical? We asked students in kindergarten through eighth grade about what, you know, inquiry looked like uh, to, you know, uh, to them. And we, we found different ways to create surveys for uh, kindergarten students as, you know, compared to the kids in middle school, it took it all online, the kindergarten kids circled pictures basically. And then, then we were able to, to use the, um, the uh, systems in the car line to, you know, create a, uh, a, a one of those QR codes. So as, you know, parents were waiting in the car line, they could, you know, QR code and start to take the survey. We just, we got really creative in, in to make sure we had a, a really great response. And it was almost like 75 to 80% of families responded uh, to the parent surveys. And, and, and obviously the students and, and the staff were over 90. So, so can't you see by completing this you know, strategic goal, achieving and setting that process this way with, with small teams and all different levels of stakeholders, how it's, it's really going to bring the momentum forward, right? I mean, even the folks who just participated in just one phase or a small part, they can see that it's in good hands. They can see the energy that it's starting, it's starting to uh, create. And, and this is... And this, you know, completes your audit phase of, of, of the process. And, you know, the great thing is the more, the more you do this and the more you make data collection a habit, the easier the process is going to come over time. Because what you're really doing is you're educating your entire school on the bigger picture. You're building capacity in people. You're, you're seeing how they work with others and, and what interests them and their overall capacity for leadership. And this is an organizational growth process. So, I encourage you to embrace it because there's only benefits to doing the process this way. <clears throat> so next you're going to prioritize and when uh, defining the top uh, priorities, a school community and the individual's tasked with developing a plan should always consider those defined qualities and skills and identify those that, that merit the most attention. And part of this prioritization process may include identifying initiatives that are going well and deserve more attention and resources as maybe some initiatives that are lagging behind and either require new strategies or just maybe to be taken out back and shot, you know, to be honest. So how do you get there? It's, it's by simple vote. 
Uh, you know, this is the way I do it. I pull the staff together. I pull the board together, you know, separately. And they have a chance to look at all the data. And we talk through the data and, and, the, and the themes, you know, the themes that we have. And based upon they, what they heard, no, no, known experience, I just asked them, what's, what's most important right now? Right? It's question five from Lencioni's six questions. And everyone writes them down as you know, many as they want. There's no limit. And we pull all these results together and we start to kind of you know, break them down as much as possible and establish a consensus of some overall you know, themes of all these priorities. And, and then we write them on a whiteboard and, and I give everybody the power of three votes. You'll be amazed at what people will vote for. And I recall being uh, leading a board retreat where you know, the only item that was pretty much discussed at this board for, for the last six months was, and it was creating a massive conflict. And you guys are school leaders and, and the board members, you know how conflicts can easily come about. On, on whether or not to move forward with a building a new high school. And, and, and it, it made it to the list of six, right? There were six themes that came out of this prioritization process. And but when I gave everybody the markers for the vote, it, it came in fifth place out of six. And I asked, well, how could this happen? It has consumed you. You've, you've, you've lost friends over it, basically. Uh, but when it came down to it, it really wasn't that important. And it doesn't mean that the items that are voted in the top three are the only ones addressed. They're just the first three addressed. And then the next three, as those get accomplished. So one challenge that I see schools struggle with is, is when items appear to be a priority and they, they sit at the top of the list, but they just never get done. It's up to the leaders to identify and call this out and understand why is it not getting done? What are the barriers perceived or real? If your organization isn't moving in the right direction, I mean, everything needs to fight for its life. If it doesn't take me to where I need to go, it's not going to survive. If it's sat in your vision board for more than a year and still hasn't been accomplished, it must not be that important. So, so just kill it because what it's doing is it's, it's leaking energy from you. So here were the, you know, when we went through the original uh, process at Cape Fear, here were the five themes uh, that came out. And this took about, you know, 10 total meetings with staff and board and parent groups and, you know, surveys and countless pages of quantitative and qualitative data. So that, now we get to the fun stuff, right? Now we're really having some fun here. And, and this is to visualize, right? To visualize. And, and once you've drafted your themes and you feel good about them, it's, it's time to develop that mental model of perfection. What would these themes look like if money and time were just not a factor? And your overall vision should be written from your school's purpose, right? From the from the from the view of your school's purpose. It's it's why your school exists. It's it's your overall mission. And, and from your purpose, you begin to create this vision, right? So you take your purpose and, and, and the data and, and the themes. I found this to be the most powerful, productive activity in the creative process. And to me, the time you spend writing your vision, it's going to give you the biggest bang for your time buck. And outside of this, you know, uh, program and this uh, webinar, um, you know, I do, we do uh, vision uh, workshops and they're, they're just so much fun. I, I just believe it has so much power, but we'll sit with you and your team and we'll do mission, vision, purpose 
uh, workshops and spend a half day or a whole day together. It's, it's so, it's so exciting. And, and, you know, a couple exercises that I really love here, right? One are always going to see other schools. I think visiting other schools is the most powerful tool that you can have and, and to, to see what is possible, what's out there. Then take, you know, then take 10 days in a row and, and write out that vision, right? Starting with a brand new piece of paper every day. And, and, or just, you know, maybe have a couple of brainstorming sessions with your team on each theme and just start dreaming in pictures, right? Start drawing it out, whatever it is, get creative, get, there's no wrong answer here, right? You're, you're writing, you're writing the history of your future. Another process I would use in the visualization, uh, uh, you know, step is, is, is this strategic outline document. Um, and then a 60 minute work session, you know, board members or management teams can really begin to unblock their challenges and, and, and start, you know, drafting their plan on paper. And I call this a skinny strategic plan. It's, it's perfect for small challenges or, or boards that haven't yet grown together to complete a full strategic plan, which, which honestly, no school really needs a giant strategic plan. I mean, everything changes so fast and furious. You just really need to make sure that you've got that clear vision and those themes moving forward. Because honestly, your charter application was, was written to act as a plan, right? And what you're just really doing now over time is strategically tweaking what's not getting you the results you desire, right? What's, what's, what's in that vision that's not tangible yet? So one of the questions that um, one of the participants asked is, is what is the impact of the teacher capacity on the ability to reach these goals? And what's the best way to bridge that gap from, from theory to practice? And so I'm going to answer this way. You know, when, when we write our vision, we're writing it based upon our mental model of perfection. Like what is possible? Because it wouldn't be possible if you weren't able to see it, right? You, you are fully resourced. If you see it, if you're able to see it and visualize it, you can do it. Now, you may not currently have the resources in your hands or the right people on your bus, but as you start navigating towards that destination, as you start wiggling, those resources and people, they will appear. And the universe loves speed. So just get going. Take that first step forward. And because honestly, without vision, the people will perish. So, so paint those people, paint your current people in the picture. Let them know, hey, you know, I was visualizing what the school is going to look like. I could really see you leading professional development in the area of, you know, uh, class management, right? Or, or, or leading this initiative or, you know, being in charge of our, you know, parent group. I and mean, whatever it is, get them excited about being part of the solution. Everyone wants to know that they're valued and they're valuable. So based upon this process, this visualization process uh, uh, and their mental model, one of the themes actually changed. Uh, it was you know, modified to, to mission-based learning environment instead of it, uh, it had something about a facility development and safe learning environment. Mission-based because everything they discussed was all about inquiry and innovation and collaboration. It wasn't necessarily getting a new facility, just having the whereabouts in the space to be able to execute it. And so as a leader, there's so many opportunities that you're presented with that are not in harmony with your vision, right? They might be great opportunities, but if they're not in harmony with your vision, 
you, you just need to take a pass. You know, because once you have this process completed, it's easy to understand what to say yes to and what to say not right now to. For example, many times in board meetings, and some of you may have experienced this, but I'll hear a board member bring up an article or a statistic that they read, and I'm just making this up, but like 90% of kids who take Mandarin are more likely to go to college and become doctors. Or you know, So all of a sudden, the board spends the next hour talking about foreign languages, you know, and how, and how, how they would do that. But when you got this strategic document in place, you can say, uh, Hey, Hey everyone, uh, that sounds great, but it doesn't, it doesn't fit in our current vision and our plan. So can we, can we table that? Right. Can we table that? Maybe do some research and see how it fits in, but without the document, you, you've got no clear purpose, no clear vision, no clarity. So, your purpose is like the sun. Everything revolves around it. So make sure you have, you got the sun in place. So goals. So, so we've written our vision. And, and so now we're going to start writing our goals. And the issue that I find isn't that schools write goals too high and miss. is that they write goals too low and, and they hit them. And this is even if they have goals at all. And, you know, and whether you write smart goals Right. Everybody knows, uh, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time bound or, or dumb goals, dream, dream driven, uplifting, motivating, bold or, or even big, hairy, audacious goals. Right. I mean, whatever. I don't care what structure you write your goals in. And we talk about this, you know, deeply and when we work through strategic planning and our goal, goal achieving classes. But, you know we help you determine what's right for you. But most importantly, most importantly, your vision is what's driving this process, right? Don't worry about the acronyms, right? Your vision is driving this process. So, so from your vision statement, you're, you know, you'll begin to identify those short and long-term goals. And then your goals are going to come from your vision, sometimes directly from your vision and sometimes as a way to live that vision. And the purpose of the goal is, is a benchmark and, and to cause you to grow into the organization that's meeting its purpose and vision. And, and there's, there's one thing that I learned in my doctoral studies, and that's, that's this, that one goal is a goal, two goals are a half a goal, and three goals are no goals at all. So be strategic and just write one goal per theme one goal per theme that's it when you achieve that goal then write a new goal right remember we're we're working to be goal achievers not not just goal writers right <laughs> so once you got your your goals drafted get them back in the hands of your key players let them let them sit on them let you know you know give them let them give you know, suggestions and comment rights because you won't be able to accomplish anything uh, without them and, and they as you do need to realize that the difference between where we are and where we want to be is is created by the changes that we're willing to make in our lives so ask them do these goals inspire you are they empowering are they engaging you're asking them for their commitment their commitment to growth and their commitment to change remember you got to fall in love with the goal 
so here's an example of so once we wrote a goal and then and then and then this school uh, came for center they wrote five five objectives uh, per each goal you know and, and this is what it may look like and it doesn't need to give your brain hernia there's no right or wrong and I would suggest that if you if you've had a struggle in achieving goals or writing goals in the past just just write very short-term goals maybe they're a, a daily goal or a monthly goal and this will allow you to gain confidence in your ability to keep your word and commitment to yourself and and your team you want to include uh, fidelity measures and these measures may include you know specific targets plan checkpoint dates and concrete data indicators and milestones to include to 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 ensure that board members principals and teachers everybody in the school improvement team is receiving the feedback needed to determine how well um, the improvement strategies are are uh, working and and these feedback have to be utilized to make decisions about changing you know because in a, changing those ineffective strategies and continuing those that just don't work you, you know you can't hide behind the results right you know garner the help and expertise if 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 something's not working be honest about it no one should expect the plan to work perfectly if your plan works perfectly the first time it wasn't a very it wasn't a very hard goal so, and if you use the strategic outline uh, template here, it's already got all those all those uh, phases in here for you. And again, email me and I'll you know share these with you. But you know, these are built to to fit right into the thought process, right? It has all those timelines right there. So once you've you've written these goals, it's 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 time to celebrate, right? Shout out the strategic goals and the work that you've done out to all the stakeholders they put so many hours you know celebrate them they've done surveys for you they've done some work take some time to be proud of what you've birthed and take some time to regain your energy right maybe maybe bring in some new troops for the planning process because this is this is exhausting but i want you to exert your energy in the goal creating process not 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 the not the planning process so after you shout out, start writing out these action steps. And, you know, there's a critical note here, you know, depending on a desired outcome, this is pretty much where management fully takes over the process, right? Unless it's a, a governance type, type goal. So identify who's going to do what, who will write and oversee action steps, you know, the implementation of the plan, what tangible evidences will they provide to school's leadership and board and how often. And again, that strategic outline provides you, many of these answers when you develop the plan you know, make sure you apply rigor without rigidity you know your plan might only be one step for right now so don't include too much detail just be a bass boat ready to to turn on a dime if you see see those fish hitting the top of the water and maybe just follow i told you i was going to share share my secret here's my secret to strategy right here you know it's a simple process. Test, fail, learn, unlearn, relearn, and re-enter. And just repeat this process until you achieved your goal. And never, ever, ever change the goal. Just, just adjust the plan. And remember, you know, one of the keys to improvement is understanding that it will be your people that's going to carry it out and they need to be a big part of the process. And so I'd be a fool to think that 
everyone's going to buy into and everyone's going to be all for this plan and this process. And they won't. They won't. But until you have the goals and plan in place, they can pretty much do whatever they please. So once you've set the vision and uh, goals, then, then you can really start to truly create some accountability. And I love what Alan Mulally, uh, you know, says he's the former CEO at uh, Ford when he turned it around. I'm reading his book, American Idol. I'm sorry, American Icon. He says, I don't care if everyone believes in the plan 100% as long as they act like they do. Because once you start acting like you do, you'll find yourself in the light and you won't want to go back into the darkness, right? So create the light for your people. Be, be the light and your oversight. It just may look as simple as this, you know, identify tangible evidences based upon the measures that you've set, a time frame for these reporting pieces, a monthly or quarterly meeting to ask questions and in regards to the data and the management team reports to the board what where the data currently is. You know, you could use a, a balanced scorecard and, and what the tweaks to the plan will be, ultimately leading to these improved results. Remember, test, fail, learn, unlearn, relearn, and re-enter. And, you know, remember those monthly reports that you provide to the board, the ones that are filled with all the evidences towards the school's progress? Well, guess what? Now all that can actually be condensed into a celebratory state of the charter or some sort of annual report. And this document can be shared with your most critical stakeholders and vendors and funders. What an opportunity to, to give back and demonstrate the true impact you're making on the, on the community. It's celebrated everywhere. So we're pretty much out of time, but you know, before I open it up for any questions, I just wanted to, to, to share. I talked about many programs that we offer to support uh, uh, board members, uh, uh, school leaders, and teacher leaders. And, and I'm not joking about that turnover data. It's 2.7 years. I mean, I've, I've been there. Your job is really, really hard. And it's one program that I know that will really help you in a strategic goal achieving process is, is to have an accountability partner, you know, someone who you can count on to guide you through those challenges and provide you the, the support you need through, through coaching and mentoring to overcome any obstacles. Someone, someone to see the picture from another uh, perspective. So our, our goal achieving club, it, it does that each, each month you got to set one-on-one, you know, thinking partner session, uh, with me to to uh, maximize your impact and grow yourself as a leader, and then um, if you want, you could even just bring your whole team in on the you know on the call for for a, a group session, and, and you know because we're all on islands, you know there's there's a second session of you know a month with all the other school leaders in the program, and I'll spend you know, 20 minutes you know teaching on on a current leadership issue that I'm finding, and but it, it's a place for leaders to ask questions and receive additional mentoring from, from their peers because you, know, you can't just drive all over the state uh, seeing every school and learning from every leader. So, so, you know, right now, you know, we're often, we've uh, reduced this package. It's, it's, it's $278 for, for three months of support. And, you know, you can bring on another member of your team so they can have their private sessions for, for a hundred dollars less than that. And I mean, just, you know, I think about it, for less than a hundred dollars a month, you're going to have continuous, uh, coaching and support and, uh, and, and a partner to grow with. And, and with that, you're going to, you're going to accelerate your overall achievement. And, and um, so we've got that program and, and we do strategic planning and, you know, strategic planning programs and resources. So 
happy to talk to you more about how we can help you and, and, and help you think more through this process and, and get you to where you need to be. So um, I'm going to open it up now. If anybody uh, has a question or wants, or, or wants to share, you're welcome to. Um, the floor is yours. Hey, Tom, it's uh, Michael Malley. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you? Good. Yeah, no, uh, no questions. Um, but thank you for, uh, for the presentation. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for um, investing. I know it's late. Hurricanes are on and all sorts of things are going on. So, so I appreciate you all spending the time. And like I said, the next 24 to 48 hours, I'll get the recording back out with the, um, with the uh, slides for everybody and, and any, you know, follow up, uh, you know, just, just feel free to email me. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Any other questions? And, and as you're thinking, look, I believe in you, right? I, I wouldn't do this if I didn't. And, and so my mentor, John, John Maxwell, I'm going to leave you with this, uh, you know, thought and comment here. He said, diligent follow-up and follow through will set you apart from the crowd and communicate excellence. That's really what this process is. It's just diligent follow-up and follow-through, right? This is this is what we agreed on, right? And here's what I see. So help me understand. It's it's a great accountability process, but you can't hold you can't hold people accountable in your organization without clarity of where you're going. Because otherwise everybody has a built-in excuse because I haven't agreed to anything. And that's why in that one particular part with the goals, you're asking them for your commitment, right? How committed are you on these goals? One to 10. Because if you're a five, then that's a problem, right? If everybody's a five, that's a whole issue. Then that's just a bad goal. But if you got a couple of people who are a five on it, well, now you know, right? Ask for their commitment. Because that's, that's what's gonna take your organization to excellence and it's gonna help you build long, sustainable success for the organization, right? that will outlive those, those uh, data numbers that I share with you. So thanks everybody for being on the session tonight. Uh, go and uh, get some family time and, and I look forward to seeing you on the next uh, session. And remember, adapt, adjust, and overcome. Bye everyone.